Pray. Abba, Father, remind us, impress upon us that we are your dear children and you are our dear Father. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. It is somewhat surprising when Christians realize that the almighty, infinite, all-knowing, creator of the universe, God, wants us to think of him as Father. Wants to relate to us as a dear father relates to his dear children. And so I'd like to use Father's Day as a backdrop to talk about God as our Father. And how I'm going to do that, you can see in the outline, is I'm going to use the opening introductory statement of the Lord's Prayer and then three petitions really quickly. Our Father. That should startle you, surprise you, shake you up. When I attended this talk by Brennan Manning, his claim is that every time we hear Jesus say the word Father, he's actually saying the word Abba. Uh, the only time in the Gospels where we actually, in the text, hear Jesus say Abba is that Mark reading in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus in his great distress says, Abba, Daddy, I don't want to do this. Is there any other way? I want to show you something. And this requires the Lutheran hymnal, Lutheran service book. One day, Jesus is seen praying by one of his disciples, and this disciple says to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. This is in Luke 11, you can check it out, and Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. Okay, is that in your brain? Turn to page 305. It's a pretty clear statement that when we pray, we should address God as Father. 305, whoops, went too far. Do you see it? It says prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. Okay, let's, let's just go to some of the prayers. Uh, merciful God, almighty God, almighty and everlasting God, Almighty and everlasting God. Do you see what's going on here? 
they're using the Old Testament address in their prayers. There are 81 prayers in that section of the hymnal, and only 28 of them mention Father. Did the people who are in leadership positions and teaching positions in our church never hear Luke 11, where Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. Jesus calls God Father 150 times in the four Gospels. Over 150 times. In the Gospel of John alone, 70 times. He calls God Father. What has happened in the Christian church that we feel we've got to address God as almighty or infinite or creator or Lord? Why have we forgotten Jesus' instruction? When you pray, say, Father. Now, as I mentioned, Brendan Manning thinks that every time the word Father occurs in the New Testament, he's actually saying Abba. And you heard Luther's words from the small catechism, but let me just remind you of those words. Why, when we pray, do we call God our Father? God would, by these words tenderly invite us to believe he is our true father and we are his true children so that we may with all boldness and confidence ask him as dear children ask their dear father. I encourage you in your personal prayer life and you'll see me do this in our corporate worship, I typically call God Father. I want you to remember, and I want me to remember, that I'm not praying to a tyrant or a boss or someone I have to cajole or coerce to do my bidding. I'm talking to my Father. And like my third daughter with her coloring of Noah's Ark, a child of God can't do a bad prayer, just like my child can't do a bad coloring, because she's my child. Who art in heaven, God is infinitely above us. He's the creator of this universe, and that includes our world and ourselves. And it is typical for people to address God as Almighty God or Creator God or Lord of the Universe God. 
Yes, he is God, and I'm not. Yes, he is infinite and perfect, and I'm sinful and finite. But this great God comes to me and says, Dan, I'm your Abba. I'm your Father. I want you to come and sit in my lap and you may squirm a bit and you may even fall asleep, but I just want to enjoy your presence. And I want you to enjoy my presence. I'm not a fearful, angry God. I'm a compassionate, gracious, and loving Father. Hallowed be thy name, or may your name be holy. Well, what name? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and all the rest in the Old Testament address God as Yahweh. If you are familiar with the King James English, it's Jehovah. A God so distant, so unapproachable, that even today, Jews will not pronounce that name. They're afraid that if they say it wrong, mispronounce it, or say it with the wrong attitude in their heart, that God's going to get them. So we best just not say it at all. And here comes Jesus. Father. Wow. Abba. Totally approachable. Available, accessible to all of our whims and wishes. And don't worry about praying the wrong thing. I love what C.S. Lewis says. In our catechism, when I was using the 19, I think it's 48 version, they, they said, does God answer every prayer? And the answer was no. I like C.S. Lewis a lot better. C.S. Lewis says, God answers every prayer with exactly what you asked for or something better. He has discretion. He knows that some of our requests may hurt us, may not be for our benefit. So he answers every prayer according to our desire or with something better. You can't lose. Thy kingdom come. There's great irony in the Gospel of John when we see Jesus enthroned, wearing his crown on a cross. Really, that's your king? 
That's the one who is going to establish a forever kingdom in your heart and your life. We are more like the Palm Sunday crowd who thinks Jesus has come to get rid of those pesky, capricious, cruel Romans. Well, that may give the Jews relief for a brief time, but it will not establish a forever kingdom. We think that the solution to evil is out here when the problem with evil is inside, in our hearts. You know who Alexander Solzhenitsyn is, the great Russian dissident who moved to Vermont and wrote an amazing book called The Gulag Archipelago. And in that book, Solzhenitsyn says something like this. And I'm going to paraphrase it according to my own version. If only we could locate and label all the evil people in the world. Then we could go about the business of separating them from polite society and eliminating them, and our problems would be over. But here comes Solzhenitsyn's famous statement. He says, the line dividing good and evil runs through every human heart. If Jesus is going to establish a kingdom, if he's going to defeat evil, he needs to take up residence in my heart. He needs to remind me that I'm forgiven, I'm loved, I'm accepted. You know, in Jeremiah 23, there's this amazing prophecy about a coming king. And we are told his name will be the Lord is our righteousness. The source of evil, the source of sin in our life is that we are always about the business of justifying ourselves, trying to make our lives right by ourselves. We're always turned in on ourselves and our own selfish perspective excludes everyone and everything else. I've got to do this, I've got to acquire this, I've got to accomplish this. If I want to be accepted, if I want the crowd to approve, if I want people to applaud, if I want the world to stand up and pay attention to me. And Jesus says, no. That only creates more evil. The only solution is for me to be your righteousness. That verse I like so well that you know by heart, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, to be sent for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our lives are right. We've been given eternal worth, everlasting significance. We are forgiven totally, past, present, future. That's the kingdom that Jesus came to bring. Thy will be done.
there's a primary will of God and a secondary will of God. And we typically think the secondary will of God is the primary will of God. What's the primary will of God? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's his primary will. That through us, this world might experience the truth of Jesus Christ, the power of his love, the energy of his righteousness. What's the secondary will of God? We usually think of the Ten Commandments as a good summary. Paul says, love is the fulfillment of the commandments. Love one another, Jesus says, as I have loved you. The way we witness to this world is more through our love, our actions, than our words. Don't eliminate words, but the most powerful witness to your friends and your family members who are not yet in Christ is to care about them, to love them, not because it benefits you, because it is an advantage and a benefit for them. You've heard me say this before, but I love St. Francis' statement. Witness to Jesus at all times. If necessary, use words. Or what about the famous Baptist evangelist, Dwight L. Moody, who says, the only Bible most people will ever read is you. Do you care about them? When they're hurting, do you hurt? When they're in need, do you help? We accomplish God's primary will of bringing people into a relationship with Jesus Christ and his love through living lives of love in Tillamook and surrounding Towns, Gary and Maxine, for your sake, I'll even say Rockaway Beach. I want to conclude with a short story Luther's barber. Now, first of all, that dumbfounds me. If you've ever seen pictures of Luther, you would never guess he has a barber. I had a member of my church, well, actually Christ Church, in Forest Grove. Her sister was the barber um, for Phil Knight. And I said to her, I wouldn't advertise that if I were you. <laughs> he never looks like he's had a haircut, does he? Well, Luther's barber said to Luther one day, how, how do I pray? Give me some hints. Give me some help. I'm having problems with my prayer life. 
And this is what Luther said. It's so insightful. He says, prayer is a conversation between you and God. It's not a one-way conversation where you dominate and you're the one speaking. It's a two-way conversation. And Luther suggested, read a passage in Scripture. Let God speak to you. Think about that. Does that passage tell you something that is missing in your life that you desperately need? Is that passage telling you something you should give thanks for? Is that passage showing you a place where you need to confess that you haven't taken that passage seriously? And then Luther says, do the same thing for your family members and your friends. Is there something in that passage that your friends and family members need? Pray for them. Is there something in that text that your friends and family member aren't really taking notice or aren't being cognizant of? Is there something in that passage that your friends and family members as well as you should give thanks for and offer a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving? Is there something in that passage that you want your friends and your family members to know that this is God speaking. See how that works? Uh, this sounds interesting, and I can't go into it, but Luther used to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And he would start out, and he would say, Our Father, are there times in my life as a Christian when I think I'm the Lone Ranger? I don't have support and encouragement. I don't join together with other Christians. Do I need to make myself vulnerable and available to other Christians in my prayer life? And of course, Father, that's what we've been talking about. Am I thankful that God is my Father? He's not a demanding boss. He's my Abba. And you go through his whole litany of, you know, pray for yourself for where you failed to take this truth into your heart and life and pray for other people on that same vein. And then pray that God would work this in your life, that you would begin to pray, Father, Abba, it's me again. You got some time. There's some things in my life I need help with. Would you speak to me through your word and show me the things that I need and the things that will make my life a light to the world? You see how this works. Just that one insight that prayer is not a monologue. It's a conversation. It will change your prayer life. Luther often made the comment, he said, unless I prayed for three or four hours in the morning, I would never get anything done. And I go into my brain and I say, how can you pray for three or four hours? I'm done in 30 seconds. 
Do you understand how he could pray for three or four? He would read scripture. He would let God talk to him so that he knew how to talk to his father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we always know you as our Abba and know ourselves as your children. That not only our prayer life, but all of our life might take on new dimensions, new excitement, new wonder, new glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.